This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. Designers understand collaboration. They regularly work with architects, contractors, artisans, and vendors. They know that if collaborations go smoothly, they can inspire all parties to new heights. Or they can end in disaster. And nowhere can collaborations be more rewarding or more risky than in product design. I have with me today two women who are hugely successful on their own, but working together have achieved a new level of success. Kit Kemp is a British interior designer who, with her husband, Tim, founded Firmdale Hotels, a group of 10 hotels, including the Ham Yard, the Haymarket, and the Soho Hotel in London, and the Crosby Street and Whitby Hotels in New York. But what she really did was redefine what a boutique hotel could be. With her haute bohemian style, a signature mix of British wit, vivid florals, folkloric touches, and bright colors and patterns, she proved that charm and luxury could coexist. Her hotels have proven so popular that they have transformed not only hotel design, but also influenced how thousands of people want to live at home. That has led to partnerships with Wedgwood, Wilton Carpets, Christopher Farr, and Chelsea Textiles, as well as several other brands. She's also the author of four books, including her latest, Design Secrets, How to Design Any Space and Make It Your Own. Welcome, Kit. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Since studying textile science at the University of Vermont and getting a degree in merchandising from the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, Annie Silkey has become one of the greatest successes in home goods. She founded the linens and bedding company Pinecone Hill in 1994 and 10 years later launched Dash and Albert Ruggs. Most recently, under her own name, she has expanded into furniture, tabletop, wallpapers, bath, curtains, and even sleepwear. From her headquarters in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which was formerly a mill that produced uniforms and blankets for the Union Army during the Civil War, she oversees her growing empire, with her most recent success being her new collaboration with Kit. Hello, Annie. Hello, Michael. I'm so pleased to talk to you both and learn how you found each other, how your cross-Atlantic collaboration worked on a day-to-day level, what you hope to achieve, and what's next for you both. So, Kit, I want to start with you because, to me, you have reached such a level of success that you probably could have collaborated with anybody. So what was it about Annie or Annie's offer that made you decide this was somebody you really wanted to work with? How did this come about? How did you two first meet? Well, Annie contacted me directly, which is always the nicest way to meet somebody. Mm -hmm. And I immediately connected with Annie. She's got attitude. She's somebody who's (laughs) strong. She's not only clever and a good businesswoman, but she's got real heart. Mm -hmm. And so immediately we were going to enjoy each other's company. I would never do a collaboration with someone that I don't get on with. Along the way, I think I've made a lifelong friend. Agreed. Um, I get verklempt just thinking about it. 
Oh, uh, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Right. But, you know, the most important thing was that we both had a dog with the same name. <laughs> ah, so it's fate. <laughs> it's fate. Meant and to it's be. a weird name. The name is Impy. It's not just a run of the Oh, my mill. goodness. Like, that definitely was destiny. It's Rover, right? It's Impy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Annie, why did you reach out to Kit? Why did you feel that she was a person who was going to bring something to your expansive line of products is something that you yourself or your team couldn't come up with? Well, you know, I have invested time and money in in Firmdale Hotels because once (laughs) I first discovered it, I think it was in the late 90s, the Pelham Hotel, which was, was that the first kit or was that the second? That was the second. Second. Dorset Square was the first. So I was lucky enough to stay there early, early on, sort of in my travel to London, and it was an incredible space. So I was so taken by it. And the concierge sort of understood my wonderment and awe. And he said, would you like to see any of the rooms that aren't occupied? I was like, yes, I want to. Oh, yeah, that's always fun when you get invited to see the other rooms. And (laughs) the thing about that particular hotel was that it had shadow boxes outside of every room that had the scheme of what was in the room. So it had a drawing of the furniture, it had swatches of the fabrics used in it. That was just kind of a game changer. So from then on, I always stayed in Firmdale Hotels whenever I was in London or in New York. I was thrilled when they opened the Crosby and then hence the Whitby. And so I stayed there a lot. So much so in one year, I had to ask my accounting department, would it be better if I got an apartment in New York instead of <laughs> staying at the, you know, the Firmdale Hotels as much? And then even though I was investing quite a bit, I was like, you know what? I still want to go there. I don't want my own apartment. I want to live in Kit's world for those days and weeks that I'm in New York. Yeah. So big fan for a long time. And then, you know, we get approached all the time about potential collaborations. I'm sure you do. And, you know, say politely no a lot. I mean, really mm-hmm. a lot. And then occasionally... It's like, oh, yes, that sounds amazing. And in this instance, having said no a number of times to our PR person, Elizabeth Blisser, she said, Annie, my God, just like if you could collaborate with anybody in the world, who would it be? I was like, hello, Kit Kemp. I know that. She said, oh, well, let me see if I can get her contact info. So she put us in touch and I wrote a fangirl letter and said, you know, we both love textiles. I think we could do an incredible collection together. And... The rest is history. How many years ago was this? It was about March 20 or something like that. It was just after the pandemic started because, I mean, this was a sort of pandemic Zoom relationship. It was. And, you know, it's London, New York and and India. There are some big distances involved there. And And Pittsfield. And Pittsfield, exactly. Yeah. And Lennox, where I am now. And Barbados, too. And Barbados. Global enterprise. Yeah, a global (laughs) enterprise. Uh, And of course, I mean, that's how we started, because to give it sort of structure, which Annie was very good at helping us with, we decided to break it up to London, 
which is dipping your toe into colour, New York, which is sort of barefoot elegance in a concrete city, and then Barbados, which is like vibrant calypso, fabulous colours. So we collected collections of colours for each collection. And ideas are never a problem. We've always got millions of ideas. And we could explore those over Zoom and then sending things to and fro. And The other thing was, you know, you have to remember that we were in a pandemic and my hotels were more or less closed for about a year and a half. (laughs) So for my design team to get their teeth into something else, they absolutely love that adaptability. I mean, it's so much fun for us to do furniture, carpet, rugs, you know. Right. Cutlery, glassware, you name it, we'll do it. (laughs) Um, And it keeps them on their toes. I like to keep my gang busy. Right. But it's interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, early on, a lot of designers were freaked out thinking they were going to lose all their business. Companies laid off people thinking they were going to lose business, which, of course, quite the reverse happened. And people became so home obsessed that there's shortages. So, Annie, how did you see that? How You were a little prescient. Was that something you really... I wasn't really prescient. I mean, it was more teaming up with Kit and and it just was the circumstance under which it started. And and I have to say, you know, I think it ran incredibly smoothly via Zoom. You know, we have this huge TV screen in our conference room and we, as our design team, would meet with their design team via Zoom. And, and we did send actual textiles back and forth because, as you know, everybody's monitors are different. So we were speaking the same color language. Right, but texture is a hard thing to get over Zoom. We sent them tons of our samples to fondle and feel and see what Kit liked and didn't like. But it was actually remarkably efficient because you had to bring the stuff up on the big screen anyways. We would all look at it and say, okay, what about this pattern? I remember first time we saw Lilypad, which has become, you know, a runaway success. And I remember the artwork for it. And I thought, ah, that's a great one right there. So It worked really, really well. I would say even hopefully post-pandemic, doing the Zoom back and forth is a useful. And being in person is wonderful too, but because we're on different continents, Mm -hmm. the Zoom is always going to be... But do you remember with Lilypad, I remember you said, oh, well, I think we need a cushion. So we actually just designed it over Zoom, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the colors and the Photoshop and everything else like that. But I mean, what's been so fabulous is I designed different rugs before, but never in quite so many different things. So we had wool microhooked, just wool pile. We had jute, Mm -hmm. we had cotton microhooked, cotton, and then PET, of course, which is sort of made of old plastic bottles and dustbin lids, which the outdoor. I, yeah, right. I indoor, did, yeah, indoor, outdoor. Right. I didn't really, I had to think, you know, I was sort of, oh gosh, I only want to have natural fabrics and everything else. But when I suddenly thought about it, looked at it, and as Annie says, it feels like wool, but it wears like iron. Right. And what's more, I mean, how often have we designed for a conservatory or an orangery beautiful fabrics, and then a year later, they faded to nothing? Right. Well, suddenly right. using PET and these rugs, which we could do in lovely, vibrant colors, I always remember Annie telling me that they had a litter of puppies and the puppies were born (laughs) 
grew up. And then, you know, that rug had to be thrown outside. Grew up I think it grew made... up. I mean, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got... I think it snowed and forgot about the rug. And then suddenly the snow disappeared. And then there was this immaculate rug that could just be then brought back in. And it well, could I mean, have if... gone on a sales room floor. It was just like one of those ads on TV, like Tarnix yeah. or something. Because it yeah. really, it was like it walked the talk. It was amazing. Yeah, I was wondering. Well, you over. really pioneered that, <laughs> Annie, with Dash and Albert. I mean. Yeah. It's funny. I would say, yes, we were the first ones to bring first polypropylene and one of the first ones to bring PET in and rugs. And that, my textile background, sort of the science of it always intrigues me. And I'm always in India asking, it's like, okay, what's new? What fibers are being developed that have, you know, specific functional qualities that can be incorporated into into rugs? So yes, we were early on that curve. Right. And were you both agreed from the beginning what the range of products would be? Or was it something that grew as you were working together? It was really going to be, you know, what we do, rugs, bedding. And, and honestly, we got so wrapped up in rugs that we didn't end up doing as much bedding as we wanted mm -hmm. to do. So that will be, you know, part two of this. And also mm -hmm. now we know what is resonating and there's a lot that's resonating on both sides of the pond, so to speak, and where that leads us next. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> So what for both of you has been the biggest surprise in terms of the response to the collection? What's been selling the most? What was there something you love that's not selling as much? Like Kit, what do you what have you found? Well, it's it's interesting because when you design, there will be those hero pieces. Mm -hmm. The hero pieces you think, well, possibly they're not gonna be the big sellers, but they're gonna photograph well and you know, oh, we can hang set our the hat tone, on them. Kind of, right. Yeah, set the tone. And graphic was one of them, which is a very sort of powerful design. And do you know, it's amazing because it's doing exceptionally well. Right. <laughs> and I keep thinking, my goodness, it looks great here. No, it looks great there. So it's actually much more versatile than we ever thought. And then you get the workhorse rugs as well that you know will right. be much easier right. to use at the same time. But it has been fascinating. What about you, Annie? What do you think? I agree. And when I architected the program, I loved love me a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I looked at it specifically for editorial and workhorse and divided it up saying, you know, because we have to have the fun factor, you know, so in this wool grouping, we can have two editorial pieces and six workhorse pieces kind of thing, ones that just would sell and sell and sell. And it turns out the ones that are editorial have done extremely well. Graphic, we're already working on recolors of that. And Lilypad, which is, it's a pretty, it makes a statement, that rug. Right, it's but out there. It's out there, but it comes in four colors. Kit and I have both incorporated it into our houses. Like, it's a great pattern and it's repetitive enough but at a big scale that it's just i don't know it, it has something that captures the imagination and, and people love it so 
That's pretty exciting. It's sort, of, it's sort of abstract, but also because of the mild threads, it's got such depth to the design so that when you look at it, it takes more than one look to take it in. But what I love about it is it's got a good size repeat and it makes a statement on its own. But if you put it in a room which is just very slightly tired, you know, like your white <laughs> sofa is turning slightly gray and suddenly, I mean, it happens to us all, especially if you have animals, dogs and children, which right. we all do. <laughs> and suddenly you put it down and it freshens the room. So, I mean, never underestimate what a good rug can do. It's quite right. extraordinary. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. I'm interested in any way you were saying how you conceived the collection, you know, with the editorial pieces and then the the standbys. Because I've always think whenever somebody comes out with a new collection, how do you know you're offering something that isn't in the market already or that's something different? How much of that thinking goes into it? Clearly, like you said, you love a spreadsheet and this is your business and it's great to have those pieces. Exactly. That sell. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. But what was your aim and to, when you two got together to think that this is not in the marketplace, this is something we can bring? Well, I mean, I think Kit's brand and the Firmdale brand stands above all, you know, quality, comfort, and then color, excellent design, homes away from home that are truly, they transport you. And I, right. after spending a few days in Waco, Texas in a courtyard Marriott, I mean, I, oh, oh, I, I pity like, you. no, I am never going to stay anywhere again that does not uplift me in some way like because then I travel a great deal right so kit right. those hotel rooms just like you're thrilled to be there you get something out of it you leave with some like you know that's fabulous I, I just you get I get something out of it the art all of it every time I go so right I mean I think that is kit's gift or one of her many gifts and I knew that channeling her and our combined love of textiles into this collection, would be amazing and extraordinary. And, and, you know, it's, I like that she's technically, she's not coming from the world of interior design. Yes, you're an interior designer, but I don't think of that as your first and foremost thing. It's coming from hospitality and it's coming from creating essentially temporary spaces for fabulous people all over the world. And I thought that would resonate with our customer, both wholesale and retail. Kit, one of the things that I think you bring to all of your design, but hotels, which is something you don't think about, is charm. And I think mm -hmm. charm is a sort of totally undervalued quality of design. And it certainly was practically unknown in hotel design. And right. I think that's one of the things that Annie was responding to. And I, you know, how you create charm and do that, that's magic to me. It's kind of the anti-sleek, right? Because all hotels seem to have the same formula. And in some cases, that can be 
wonderful, but it gets, you know, you're not getting anything out of it except maybe right. nice sheets. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the thing is that you can actually come in the front door and out the back door without actually taking much in because you have to make the most of every space and every space should have its own character that seeks into the next space that has that design thread. But there should be that adventure. There should be that enjoyment and that there should be fun. You should actually smile. And if I can pique the interest or the curiosity of the most bored businessman, as he's going through. <laughs> and, you know, I have seen that where this man will be standing with his briefcase looking at some artwork on the wall, completely blissfully unaware of everybody around him. And you can see he's thinking to himself, should I like this? This is rather <laughs> colorful. <laughs> what it's am not I what I'm used at? to. <laughs> it's not what I'm used to. And, you know, there, there should be just that feeling of curiosity and also bringing the child out in you, I think, in a way. But with our designs, we love colour. Colour makes you happy. Colour adds spice to your life and we wouldn't be without it. So I think that must be one of the reasons why Annie may have asked us. Right. And I think <laughs> Americans tend to be a little afraid of colour. Oh, I mean, for years it was beige, right? Chickens, yes. <laughs> they like grey, well, they like taupe, then blue. Wow, blue. And look, I believe in blue, I believe in grey, but right, I just... Of course think, you know, life lived only in that palette is really missing something. Right. And it seems like it's only within the last five or six years that even green, as basic as color as green, has entered into the conversation. We were is... early on green. And actually, right. it's interesting, like we were too early on green, it, it would seem. But because of the <laughs> pandemic, it got pushed by six months. It was going to be introed in fall and it ended up being introed, you know, six months later. So we did well with green. <laughs> But I right. think Annie's very clever, you see, because I think she thought to herself, by the end of this two-year stint, people are just longing to get out and they will be more adventurous. They will want to have that color doing something for them. So you've been, I, th I think, that, you know, it's a clever move as well. The pandemic, I think, made people really want to reconnect with nature in a way, which Absolutely. is, you know, A, you are home, generally. So you, if you had an outdoor space or a park or whatever, backyard, whatever, I think people really did connect with that and they realized they want to bring some of that in. So that's been an interesting aspect. And what people are spending on outdoor furniture and oh, yeah. landscaping and all of that has been in nurseries now, the prices are through the roof and you still can't find anything because everyone is, is into making great outdoor spaces, which again, Annie, you were a precursor with that. Yeah, with, with the outdoor rugs. And it's interesting. I mean, I think... Things do go in cycles and it can take a very long time, but generally people will spend so much more on fashion than they will on their houses, right? Which is crazy to me because mm -hmm. you're in your house a lot and you wear an outfit and you can look fabulous, but you don't, it's important to have and live in a place that you love. And I think the pandemic, one of the best things it did was sort of hit people upside the head and say, wow, I'm spending a lot of time here and I don't really <laughs> like it. And I think right. create a home and an, and an interior that serves your soul and the purposes at hand, whether it's business or raising children, doing Zoom education, whatever it is, making the space work for you in an uplifting way is critically important. And I'm glad that that made people focus on that. And I think that lasts, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, the white sofa gets a little gray, as Kit was saying, but it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, well, it's uh, an investment. <laughs> I, I think the interest in making your home. Exactly. The better. enjoyment of your home. Yes. Exactly. Once you're tuned into it, I don't think it goes away. Right. You and realize how, all... how it affects you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned chapter two. So what are you women thinking about next? You're incredibly creative. How you expand it? Different color uh, you know, palettes. It's funny. So, yes, we're both very creative. You know, I have to put my Excel hat on here because I was one of those people that if I took a test, I always wanted to get it back really quickly <laughs> to see how how I did. And it's the same thing when you launch a collection. And, you know, mm-hmm. we launched it in New York at the beginning of March and it was wholesale, retail, our catalog mailed. And then you wait and look at the results. And, you know, I get daily sales reports that the top 10 products for direct to consumer of the past day and looking at it i'm like oh my god lily pad spring lily pad spring tread lightly all the the kit kemp ones were peppered in and we have lots of products i mean thousands and thousands and to see kit's product in the top 10 i would say there would be three at least and continues probably we're out of stuff now because it sold Mm -hmm. really fast so that is very exciting to see and that they're responding not only to wool but pet and cotton the pillows you know the quilts like it's people love it which is great that's great and i know it's also available and selling very well on cherish yeah, it is available. Yeah, right. yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. And see it there. And right. so when I think, okay, what are the next progressions? I like to see, okay, this is working. Consider why it's working, like what's happening there, and then build into that. So specifically, there's graphic is selling extremely well. I jumped into recolor suggestions pretty quickly and have been working back and forth with Kit's team. Safety Net has also done extremely well, one of my favorites. And that is in wool currently. And I was like, you know what? We should make that in PET. <laughs> so we'll do yeah, that. You're right. And there's, yeah, there's some sort of idea. light bulb moments. And I like to pursue the light bulb moments right away and get those into development because the development cycle is long and it's really the order cycle is longer than the development cycle these days. So it's, you know, it's eight yeah, months before I can that. get Oof. something out right. that's new. So I'm, I, I, it kind of annoys my team because I'm a little impatient. Good. Right. Well, I'm really <laughs> delighted to hear that. That's really fun because we've got quite a few ideas. Exactly. Well. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to me that both of you are hugely creative, but you're also very smart businesswomen, and you don't take it personally in a sense of like, this is selling well, something else that you love maybe isn't selling well. Well, you know, that doesn't mean it's lesser than, but it's just not resonating in the marketplace. So you 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 adapt it, you move on, you let it go. And I you think buy that the that's... ones for yourself, or you get the ones for yourself right. when things, you know, they're like, oh, really, we're discontinuing that? That's a shame. So I place my orders. Right. I do every time yes. we go through that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Because I find that my favorites change anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because I was suddenly looking at Always Greener the other day, and that's going to be perfect for this wow house that we're doing in London. And so then I start looking at that range. And then we were starting to look at sort of some of the tread lightlies as well. And yet I had always thought I loved Hotline. And 
Eternal Spring. We have great names, actually. Michael. They gave us all the names. <laughs> They're wonderful. That's good. I, believe me, I know. Coming mm. up with names and headlines and marketing materials, not easy. So I have enormous respect for that. Yeah, no, that's a fun part. The yeah. names are really important. So in terms of the next collection, where are you looking for inspiration? Okay, what are you looking at? What's enticed you of late? Because you see a lot and you oh, created everything. a lot. Oh, I yeah. see everything that's coming right. out. And Look you know, at her and office. Do you see them? I, yeah. I, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Behind me, it's like sort of an old cave of, of antiquities and new things and old. A pinboard on every wall. Also, we just love some of the Sean Scully sort of artwork. So I've just been playing. Oh, yeah, he's a wonderful artist. Yeah, he's a fabulous artist. So I've just been looking at those as well. So that, you know, there's a lot of different things that we're sort sort of of darker, richer colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are quite rich. They're quite dark. They're quite strong. Right, right. Mm. Interesting. And, and I'm it, headed to it, London soon in the next yeah. few weeks. And I hope that, now that we'll we can go, travel again. Yeah. And we'll zip through a lot of different things. We've got the launch in London. And so we're going to do it on the roof terrace. We're longing for good weather. And I've just got everybody working on how we're going to show them all off. It will be really fun, Annie. I'm so <laughs> glad you're coming. Now, Fabulous. in terms of retail and selling, because obviously most of this collection is either wholesaled or sold online. So I'd love to get a sense, Annie, what do you see ahead for brick and mortar? I have a little sense that maybe small home shops are actually coming back. Hudson Grace just opened a a charming shop in New York and the West Mm. Village. Do you see that coming back or do you think that... You know, we have a big network of lovely brick and mortar stores. We have like 4,000 customers. So... Anything that we ever did in brick and mortar, it's it's kind of stepping on their toes. And I always feel like they brought me to the party and I don't like to, right. you know. You don't um, want to compete with your best I, customers. I don't. I don't. Right. So right. at the moment, brick and mortar, not, you know. But are they have, doing well? Are they, they doing are, well or do you think they're struggling? extraordinarily okay. well. And I think, right. you know, there was pent up. People wanted to go shopping again. Mm-hmm. So our wholesale sales are are way up because, you know, they were closed like kids hotels. A lot of these stores were shut down and had to sort of scramble and figure out new ways to engage with their customers during the pandemic. And now they're open and they're selling a lot of stuff. So. Right. Great. And, And Kit, do you see there's a place that would be like the perfect showcase for your work? Is there something like, do you dream about having, I mean, I know you have little shops in the hotels, but have you ever thought about doing a Kit Kemp World uh, as a store in London well, or someplace? Bergdorf has one. Yeah, Bergdorf's yeah, Bergdorf's, it, we've got Bergdorf's. Um, we're just building a new hotel in Tribeca. So that's going to be another showcase for all our fabulous designs. <laughs> and can't wait for it. I mean, we're so busy working on it right now, along with quite a few other things as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like one step at a time, Michael. You know, the thing is, you can get too big. and Mine is always going to be like a cottage industry. I don't want to take over the world. And you I don't, don't want to become to... Hilton Hotels. No, and <laughs> no. I, I, don't, I don't want to make it feel like it's work. You know, right, I mean, right. I, I'm here. My office is like a house, even though right. it's quite untidy. But right. um, and, and that's the way I love it. And I love my small, tight, close team. Mm. And they're like my little jewel boxes. They're like my little treasure troves, uh, my children. And 
That's what gives me pleasure. And I think so many times some people can be thinking of expansion so much that they lose the joy of it. And I don't want to do that. Right. And does it worry you that so many people have been inspired by you or knocked you off, as they might say? No, do you know what? I'm on to the next thing. And I have to take it as a (laughs) as a form of admiration. I can flattery, you know, but right, flattery is a serious form. If I'm any good, Mm -hmm. I should be on to the next thing anyway. And and if I along the way have created sort of artists that are now so expensive and so successful (laughs) I can't even afford to buy them anymore, then that's also a success. So and I I think also you arrive at a stage and an age where it's not all about yourself. It's actually lovely to watch others really progressing and doing well. And so I hope that I can help do that as well. Agreed. And Annie, are you thinking about working with other people? Now that you've had such a success with this collection? Well, you know, we've worked with people in the past. I've been very fortunate. The people that I've been able to collaborate with early, early on, you know, I did a big collection with Kay Facet. Mm -hmm. This is a a long time ago because what he did was, to me, extremely unique. It celebrated color. It celebrated artistry. I mean, he had a great eye, right? And Bunny Williams, you know, we've worked with Bunny Williams for over 10 years. And so that, and she's amazing and she's an icon. And so that to me is wonderful. So we only like to work with people who, you know, like we like nice people. We all want it to be a pleasure to do. So we're open, but, you know, we also want to stay focused on, on what we've already started. One of the things that you brought up, Annie, and I think this is so crucial, I mean, both of you have mentioned it, is if you're going to collaborate with somebody, it has to be someone talented. There's not so many people. It'd be hard to find someone as talented as Kit to continue on with their next collection. But I think it's also crucial that it be somebody that you'd like to work with, somebody who is a good person, who you... Yes. You're in sync with. It's like that is the hardest, I think, thing of all. And that leads to the greatest successes. And I think that's what you two have proven with this new collection, which is simply amazing and beautiful. And you both should be so proud. Thank you. And, you know, clearly you are in sync, love each other's company, (laughs) you know, bad ideas (laughs) off each other so well. And I think that is what's made this such a success. So, I want to thank you both, Annie Selke and Kit Kemp, for appearing here on the Cherish Podcast. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. You've been listening to the Cherish Podcast, brought to you, of course, by Cherish, which was recently voted by the readers of USA Today as the best place to shop online for furniture and home decor. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or colleague. Or better yet, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We appreciate your help in spreading the word. And we would love your ideas for future episodes. Please email us at podcast at cherish.com. The Cherish Podcast is produced by Britta Muller and engineered by Hangar Studios in New York. Until next time.